Well, I'd like to, uh, for all of us, to dedicate um, this weekend's teaching uh, to um, any friends or relatives you have that are sick or ill, um, and uh, to wish them a speedy recovery, friends and colleagues and relatives. I'm now generating a, uh, the uh, motivation uh, for bodhicitta, for all beings, all mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obstacles in my path, liberation, and omniscience. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I will quickly establish them in the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. Thus, until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. And from now until this time tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. That really means, this is what this, this, this whole teaching, not the whole teaching, but most of this teaching, is, is making a dedication to reorient all of one's mental faculties, all of one's speech faculties, which also means internal speech, and all of one's bodily activities, uh, in a way that is uh, expresses uh, liberation and awakeness. So that, that's what it means. Every moment of the day, that's, that's simply what it means. And then taking refuge, that is um, understanding karmically that by um, um, the support and the uh, umbrella from the rain, the rain of suffering, that, uh, that there are places one can go. And that is the, um, the uh, outer the inner, uh, the secret, and the ultimate level of the three refuges. So uh, this is taking refuge. Senge chodang suki chognam la janju badu chenni kapsu chi nagi jinsa gipa sonam ki droa panche senge drupa shuk. Sange chodang soki chodam la chandu badu jangi kapsu chi dagji jinsu gape sonam ki drula panju sange drupa shuk. In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, most excellent. I take refuge until enlightenment is reached by the merit of generosity and the good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. May all mother sentient beings balance the sky of happiness and the cause of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering the cause of suffering. May they never be separated from the happiness which is free of sorrow. May they rest in that community free from attachment and aversion. Good. So, back to the text. Turning to page 59. So, uh, continuing uh, with this reflection on compassion uh, and the the understanding of how all creatures suffer, Jaman uh, Kantrol says, first medit- after the meditation on the mother, uh, or if you can't uh, if you can't uh, meditate on one mother, you find um, a person that you deeply respect, you love, you respect. Uh, and um, you see them uh, as the symbol, if you wish, for um, 
all the support and all, all, all creatures. And then uh, we first meditate on objects for which it's easy to generate compassion. Friends, uh, our spouse, our, our partners, our relatives, assistants, those, the lower realms, uh, in, the, in hell-like realms where suffering is intense, the poor and destitute, and those uh, through happy, although happy in this life, are so evil they will experience hell realms as soon as they die. These are people that uh, may be very powerful or dictators or um, criminals, but we too also uh, pray and feel the compassion for their uh, confusion. This is really a shame. So you, you don't just ignore and say, oh, those bad people, but you actually um, expand energy uh, to um, have great compassion for uh, minds and, and formations that are really that twisted, really that, that in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a difficult way. When compassion in these areas has been instilled, once you really have a feeling for this, Meditate on more difficult objects, more difficult um, objects like enemies, people who hurt you, uh, demons and others. So, uh, you know, people that um, um, dislike you, people that try to, uh, um, maybe at work or your friends, uh, do you in, very difficult situations and and, and people. Um, Then you take great compassion uh, to understand uh, their suffering state. Uh, then meditate on all sentient beings, thinking along these lines. All these, my parents, not only experience many different kinds of suffering and frustration without intending to, but are also full of potent seeds for future suffering. So all this suffering is just leading to more suffering. And once you see that, you go, oh my God. It's like, it becomes a cyclic um, um, continuum of a more habit patterns, and it's and and also, it's not necessary. This is the thing; it's just not necessary. Uh, it is considered by many uh, on our planet um, that it's necessary. Yes, it's just expected. All these problems; these are all necessary. They're not necessary. Like some people say to me, "Oh, uh, it's a shame that we don't have enough food to feed everybody." We do. We simply do. Oh, it's a shame there's not enough water. Well, there's plenty of water, actually, for everybody. Oh, it's a shame this and this and this. No, it's just simply the obstructions in the mind of the five poisons. Greed, hatred, delusion, pride, and jealousy. It's the only thing that gets in the way. So as we'll see, the opposites, when the mind is purified of uh, greed, hatred, delusion, the opposite is uh, um, generosity, uh, love, and wisdom. It don't actually have to be. I once had a a, um, a psychotherapist, eminent psychotherapist, tell me that uh, hatred is absolutely necessary. The rage must be there. It's a part of human nature. We must have rage. It must be very good for us. I said, is spousal assault good? Is genocide good? Are all the wars, you know, I went on the list and said, is all this uh, justified? is not actually necessary. It's actually not how the it's not how the pith of the mind actually is in anybody. So it's not it's not actually necessary. Is it going to be there for some time? Yes. Is it a slow process? Yes. Do we have to be patient? Yes. So what is to be done? To return their kindness, the least I can do is help them by clearing away what hurts them and making them comfortable and happy. This is really the, the essence, is to have the intelligence 
uh, to know what uh, can help people be happy and what can help people waken. Because sometimes people, what they really need is they just need to be happy for a few minutes. Give them a chocolate. Give them a gift. Serve them some food. Maybe even a cigarette. I know that sounds weird, yes, today? But we used to do that all the time. We used to carry, I, even when I didn't smoke, when I was in an African place, I always carried cigarettes on me, in my bags. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't smoke at that time. I smoked later, but um, I didn't smoke. I just carried them around. Why? Many times in, in Africa, places, this was the thing to do, just share a cigarette. People loved it. It just felt so good. And all of a sudden, you could talk and socialize, but it, you know, a cigarette was one of the best means of just making people relax. Today, have a coffee. <laughs> have a chocolate. Have some food. So that's important. And then, maybe it's for others, would you like to hear the Dharma? Oh, yes, that'd be very good. Making them comfortable and happy. Train in this way until the feeling of compassion is intolerably intense. That means the intensity of knowing this is what creatures uh, go through is fully felt. And you may cry. Uh, if you don't cry, uh, maybe you should. <laughs> because really, once you understand how difficult it is for people, it, it, it is really something else. But it doesn't mean that you're incapa- you know, incapacitated in German. I don't know what that is. Incapacitated, paralyzed, stiff, can't do anything. Oh, it's impossible. It's all impossible. No, it's very possible. Very good. And then the meditation. Second, a train in taking and sending alternately, put them on the breath. Now this is the key instruction of the Tonglen meditation, which is called ascending and receiving or giving and taking. And this is a beautiful meditation which he's now going to describe and is outlined in the um, text that you have, I gave you. Uh, As you think, as you contemplate, All these parents of mine, really, infinite number of parents, who are the focus of compassion, are hurt directly by suffering and indirectly by the source of suffering. So they feel hurt, but actually it's all coming from the source, which is clinging. It hurts. So I shall take on myself all the different kinds of suffering in, my, in all my mother's course of experience and the source of suffering, all disturbing emotions and actions. Meditate that all of this negativity comes to you and foster a strong feeling of joy at the same time. This is a very uh, um, extraordinary meditation, which for a lot of people is crazy to do, but is fantastic training in, in compassion and wisdom. You uh, visualize or feel every bit of suffering coming into you and uh, dissolving into you. And you think, this is crazy. Something's going to happen to me. Something could could harm me. Nothing at all. Only the stories can harm. But you see, you've already just learned about emptiness. There's nothing to be harmed unless you have a story that you've been convinced will harm you. Like voodoo. You know how voodoo, voodoo works sometimes? You tell the person you're going to die. And in certain societies, if you tell them you are cursed and you're going to die, you will die. 
many cases of that, you'll die. You'll, there will be some illness or something will come and you'll die. You know you're going to die. You convince yourself you're going to die if you've been told. So, meditate that all this negativity comes to you and foster a strong feeling of joy at the same time. So, how do you be joyous and take on all the suffering of these creatures? This is the highest act of generosity. You know, I call this the Hoover vacuum cleaner <laughs> meditation. Do you know Hoover vacuum cleaners? You didn't grow up in... Do you have Hoover vacuum cleaners here? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not so much. You must have another company. Another company. You know, the vacuum cleaner. Like, oh, you know, central vac? Central vac in the house? The big central vac. Soaking up all the suffering, but you know that the suffering is, is a dream, a solution. So once you know that people's suffering is actually a dreaming mind, then you're safe. There's nothing to harm. Only the stories harm. The, the more there's no stories, just unfabrication, non-fabrication, then actually nothing gets in there. There's nothing in you and nothing in them to stick. Why? There is no clinging. Clinging is a dream. There's no, there's no stickiness. There's nothing to stick to. I'm going to let you meditate on this, okay? You want a really quick meditation? You show me what there is to cling to. Try that. 24 hours. Try it. Just try to find something to cling to. And see how long you can cling to. I don't care what it is. You won't be able to. It's not possible. But imagine billions and billions and billions of beings all dreaming, clinging. There's an A. Basically like a bad dream. Or a good dream. Or a good dream. Wonderful dream. Except it hurts when the dream's over. So, this joy is the joy of knowing this freedom and knowing that you can actually help others see it. This is a beautiful joy. It's hard work sometimes. It's not always easy. But the joy is you know it's possible. Therefore, you just need to tell someone. You know you could be free. On on my refrigerator at home, uh, someone wrote a beautiful thing. I've kept it up. It's wonderful. Awareness is free. There's no cost to awareness. Being free, there's no cost. Telling someone you could be free. I can? Yeah, just be free. Uh, How? It's the path of dharma might change their life. Instead of saying, oh, that's really, it's just too bad. <laughs> Sometimes you do that, you know, for a while. Yeah, let's do that. Then you say, you know, maybe this can be changed. Without regret, quote from the text, uh, without regret, I send all my virtuous activity and happiness in the past, the present, and the future, my wealth and my body to all sentient beings, my parents. You amass all your happiness, all your good qualities, and you visualize it like moonlight. This is the instructions, like moonlight, going to all these beings, maybe starting with one or two, and then going to all beings. And you practice it. It's not so easy. Can you visualize one billion people? 
It's really hard. So you might want to start with one or two. And then you might start with 10. And then you might start with 20 and 100. Eventually you can do, do lots and lots and lots and lots of creatures. But I remember what I, what I said yesterday. is just instead of saying, may you be well and happy, which is, which is kind of nice. That's love. It's good. Love. May you be well and happy. Love. Love. But to say uh, mentally and physically sometimes, may you be completely free has such power. Once you feel that and you go, may you be free, may you be completely free, this has a tremendous amount of power. You have confidence. So you have, when you have to gain confidence in uh, freedom. That's why I like, you know, um, a Pope Francis. He's really just going around telling people, there's no obstructions, no problems. He's great because he's he, he's such a great spokesman and, he's, and he believes it. He's right. Like Francis, going around and saying outrageous things. Be a Christian. He is. He's saying basically, be a really good Christian. To be good Christian, yeah. Good Christian. Love. Uh, do things that you didn't think were possible. It's okay. Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> it's wonderful. I really like. I really like him. And of course, the Dalai Lama, uh, as a great statesman, goes around and same. Meditate that each individual receives all this happiness and cultivate a strong feeling of joy in what each one's receiving it. Now, the, the pith instructions is to make this meditation stronger. Is uh, to make the experience stronger uh, for some people as you breathe in. You breathe, you breathe in the, the smoke, uh, all the suffering. You visualize it as smoke or tar. You know tar? Tar, tear, 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 tear. You visualize it as tear. And um, uh, sticky, sticky, lumpy, gooey tear. And you collect all the suffering, all the obscurations, all unwholesome of all sentient beings entering your nostrils and absorbing it into your heart. Now, if you believe that your heart center is real and there's something that's going to get damaged in there, uh, then you have a problem. And this is why uh, for many, many years uh, I did not teach this meditation because so many people were having this problem of if I do this, I'm going to catch their energy. If I do this, I'm going to get sick. If I do, if I'm too, if I'm too compassionate, I'm going to get, and all these practitioners doing things and so sick and so, you know, and I go, but there's nothing there to, for it to stick unless you have a story of sticking, you see? And I know Nam Jirmashe didn't teach this for a very long time. But you see, when we practice Tantra, all the uh, tantric methods, the, especially the highest yoga tantric methods, are this practice. So we practice anyways. But the direct practice of taking all the suffering in and not knowing it's empty and not transforming it uh, as the nature of emptiness and sending back all the riches, uh, I think is a dangerous practice who, of people who have uh, stories. Potentially dangerous. So it is said in the teaching uh, of Tonglen of uh, Tonglen and Lojong, 
you must first come from the view of the nature of emptiness and compassion, not from the relative view of uh, I'm a solid entity that can be harmed by uh, visualizing a tar going in my body. Do you follow? If you do that, you're going to get sick. I guarantee you'll get sick. Especially the uh, hi- uh, hyper empathics, they've gotten sick. Why? Because they're really, they're really going to feel everything and they're going to believe that everything that they visualize or believe is real. So it become, becomes a difficult practice. So absorbed into your heart center. They don't mean the heart. They don't mean this heart. Don't do that. Heart center. Heart center is like a flower of light. It is um, ephemeral, ephemeral, uh, like a Schmetterling, Frühstück, 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 and uh, is like light. So you put black light in white light, put black light in rainbow light, what happens? Nothing. It just becomes more rainbow light. You breathe out, and you breathe out uh, beautiful moonlight. Or rainbow light, but this text says moonlight. Breathe out moonlight, and uh, you have an infinite amount of moonlight. Oh, I don't have enough. Where's that story from? I don't have enough uh, compassion. Where's that story from? The mind is infinitely compassionate. There's no limit to one's uh, um, compassionate mind. So, so we have to strip the stories away. Think that all sentient beings are forever free of misery and evil. This is very important. Uh, really think. Thank you, T. Think, feel that all beings by this action are really free. Don't just go, well, maybe it will do a little bit. No, no, really, really wish it will. As you breathe out, imagine that all your happiness and virtue pour out in the form of rays of moonlight from your nostrils and are absorbed by every single sentient being. So to do this well, you start with a few people. And you really see it. You really see the, the moonlight go in, absorbed, and they experience freedom. And then as you develop the capacity, you can go to hundreds of beings and thousands of beings and hundreds of thousands of beings. Yeah, you just practice this way. It's not done in a weekend. It's done over a period of time where you gain confidence. So for instance, uh, like in music, uh, with a clarinet or a piano. Da, 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 da. da, da. At the beginning. It's a lot of work. You know, hold, even holding a clarinet, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of weight. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. And you get that, right? And then maybe that's a weekend. Or one note. One note playing G for a whole weekend, you go, oh, that's now beautiful. And then it starts to get a little easier. But you don't start with a billion people. You know, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And you don't necessarily start with a, a billion people all sending their dukkha <laughs> as a black tar into your being. You might just want to start with a few and try that out. Get used to it. So you can visualize, so you can feel it. And so it's not, um, uh, oh, this is impossible. It's not, not impossible. With great joy, think that all of them immediately attain Buddhahood. That's the joy. So, I don't know if you know, the, you know when a prayer flag goes like this, a prayer flag? 
is Tibetan prayer flags? The tradition is, is that they're supposed to break down. They're supposed to break apart. And the tradition is that when the wind moves through the mantras, through the, the, the wishes for full enlightenment, that's being blown everywhere. So even they say to hear the mantra of Chenrezig, Omani pay me home once, confers liberation. You think, that's not possible. Actually, it is. Because all you need to do is hear that freedom is possible and it's finished. It's done. But not you. Maybe not you in this lifetime. But the formation is finished. So if a person says to you, it's not possible. Liberation, awakening is not possible. You just go, yes, it is. Uh, That's enough for uh, maybe even in this lifetime to hear it and for it to ripen. You need courage. and You, you have to say, yes it, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Walk away. Yeah, enough of that. So they attain Buddhahood. To train the mind, use this practice of taking and sending with the breath as the actual practice for the period of meditation. So you, as it says, if you take, if you take a look at the, the outline here, I think it's page, be page four, but it starts with page one. Yeah, page four. Okay. You know, where's the PowerPoint? Where is, where is the PowerPoint? <laughs> Um, so the first thing you do is you generate bodhicitta. Okay? First thing you do is you generate bodhicitta. What's the, gener- what's the bodhicitta? This is what we've been reading uh, out loud. Oh, I didn't record this. That's being recorded. Uh, we, uh, every time I've given a class, we generate the bodhicitta, which you have now. Uh, these are these, these introductory contemplations, the inter- introductory prayers, and the Drikong, uh, um, um, Drikong Yanzab's tradition. So you, you say the preliminaries. And then you take refuge, which, which you now have um, a written out for you. And then the four common foundations. So um, I've put the text in here from the uh, Drikong Yanzab uh, tradition. Uh, so then you, you recite the four common foundations, uh, traditional to, to, or common to every single um, Buddhist tradition. And then you practice a bit of the Guru Yoga um, and the statement uh, of praying for their blessings. And then you feel that the, uh, the Guru... Now, this is really important. Now, there's a reason for doing this. There is a really good reason for doing this. Why? Why do you? Why before you start Tonglen, do you put the Guru, or the Lama, the enlightened being, in your heart center? Why? This is very important. So that the uh, black tar, all the suffering, is absorbed by enlightenment. So even if it's your heart, it's, it's inseparable from your heart. Do you, do you understand? So the 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 Guru's body, speech, and mind is identical with the essence, the core, the pith of your nature. They're not separate. There's no two minds. They're the same thing. So by placing symbolically, 
mentally visualized symbolically the uh, the figure of the Lama, Guru Rinpoche, Chenrezig, doesn't matter, uh, above your head, and you place it in your heart as a body of light, it's doing the absorbing of the tar. It's doing the absorbing of the suffering. When you feel strong, and when you are absolutely confident, that uh, guru figure may just be light of your own heart. So there's a very deep meaning here, which is you fuse, you unify your heart center to develop confidence first as the nature of the Lama's mind, as the nature of the Lama's speech, as the nature of the Lama's body. Okay? It's doing the absorbing. You don't have to worry about you doing the absorbing. It's doing the absorbing. There will come a point eventually when you're really open that actually it's inseparable. It's neither you nor him or her. It's just simply there's uh, emptiness absorbs emptiness. Emptiness absorbs form. Form absorbs emptiness. Heart Sutra. Yes, straightforward. It's right in the Heart Sutra. So as the Heart Sutra says, nothing to worry about. What could go, what could go, as the Heart Sutra says, what could go wrong? So as an intermediate stage, place the, uh, the figure of the enlightened being in your heart first. That's a really good safety measure so that they're absorbing it until you're ready to go. Doesn't matter. They're the nature of emptiness and the nature of emptiness always absorbs dukkha. Why? Dukkha is a dream. If you're dreaming, what's to go wrong? So there's there. And then you count the breath to 21 times. So, uh, beautiful. There you sit. And you count, you breathe in. And this means in here. Full, full breath, but very gentle and very natural. So the, the guru's in the heart, lama's in the heart. You've taken refuge, you've generated bodhicitta. And now you enter the calm, clear abiding before you do any practice of Tonglen. So you're in a good state. You're in a really good state. You're loving, loving, compassionate, uh, clear, clear state. And then uh, you, this is just following the text, you uh, meditate on Vipassana with support. Regard all phenomena experience, inner and outer, as dreamlike. So before you even send, you're now in a state where you're contemplating this is what reality is really like. Yes. What does Tonglen mean? Tonglen means a giving and receiving. So this is the practice of giving and receiving. Is that where we are in? Yep. That's right. Right, right now that's what we're in. Yep. So this is the actual map of how you do it. Whereas if you read the book, it's a little bit confusing because it starts into giving and receiving, but the preliminaries were a couple pages before. Do you see? So here it is. So if you follow this as a meditative practice, it's not confusing. Okay, It's actually in your text, but it's broken up with commentary. But if you follow this, there's no commentary. Okay. So... Is there everybody clear?
you, if you still are not clear, what I've done is I've taken the sections of this and they're in bold. They're in bold here. I've taken out the commentary by Jean Control. You see? And just put in the meditation as you practice it, not with all the commentary. That's all. So I've, I've stripped out the commentary and put in the key instructions that you just follow when you do this practice. You just you actually just read this. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah. Just, just stripped out all the, the commentary. But you always go back to the commentary once in a while to help you uh, make it richer. Okay? That's how you do it. But, but when you're practicing like this, you just follow this. And eventually, you don't even have to read this. You just, you just, it's easy. Do it. Do it ten times. Okay, so next you want to um, meditate on absolute bodhicitta. <clears throat> all phenomena, experience, inner and outer, is dreamlike. And you do that for a little while, maybe uh, for one or two minutes, and then you do Vipassana without any support. Examine the nature of unborn awareness. Now, you see the difference between support and unsupport? When you consider that everything's a dream, you still have a concept. Dreamlike. Uh, in the teaching uh, of Dharma, you'll see references to actually dreamlike is pretty close, but you even have to get rid of that. It's not a dream. It's imaginary beings imagining. Uh, but we normally just say the closest example is a dream. The, the closest example is a dream. But actually, it's not, it's not even a dream. Yes? Uh, one question. Um, I guess as long as you don't have realized the uh, actual dreamlike nature of reality, which is most beings, I guess, That's right. are you supposed to um, fabricate it in yep. some way? Yep. Yeah, you, you try. You just try. And, and what it does is it speeds up the process. It's not going to be imaginary because the actual real experience is definitive. But what we do is we speed up the process by pointing it out. And by reflecting on it and pointing it out and going, okay, eventually uh, it goes much faster than waiting for someone in 20 or 30 years to go, hey, you know, it's really dreamlike. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the fast path is you place the uh, Buddha mind, the way they experience, first, instead of just waiting very slowly for the experiences to dawn. Then you have to get it interpreted. But, but the path is you put the result uh, first. That ripens things quickly. You try. And then uh, Vipassana, without support, examine the nature of unborn awareness. There's nothing in awareness that you're going to be able to hang on to unless you make a story. This is called meditation or Mahamudra or Dzogchen. No support. There's nothing that in awareness, there's no color, there's no form, there's no shape, there's no past, there's no present, there's no future. There's no you. There's just a luminous clarity that's open, spacious, and free and without obstructions. And that has no support whatsoever. However, uh, as some great texts say, even Jaman Kontra says, this uh, bodhicitta that you discover is your best friend. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you're supported by your best friend. Your best friend is bodhicitta. You can always rely on bodhicitta. You cannot rely even on your best friends. 
Do you know why? Pass away. They pass away or they change. Mm -hmm. You can have the best friend in the world and the next day they're different. It can happen. They leave, they move, and like all good friends, you either die before them or they die before you. Correct? But bodhicitta doesn't die. Can you translate that piece also? Bodhicitta? Yes. Enlightenment mind. The mind that is awake and fully compassionate. This is the nature of our mind. Yes. Is that like a feeling also? A yeah, it's a feeling. It's a quality. Yeah, but uh, it is it even transcends feelings. It is feeling, yeah, for sure. Uh, a feeling, a quality, a, a real um, gut, a knowing of, of how things are. So, for instance, if I say to you right now, give, give me an example. If I say to you, the mind, your mind, is totally without obstruction. How does that feel? There is not a single obstruction in the mind. Are you going to have a feeling? Mm -hmm. Yes. What's it feel like? Free. Beautiful. That's exactly it. Trust it. <laughs> Feelings are good. <laughs> So if you're like if, if you get accused as being a Buddhist and have no feelings, tell them that's not true. Buddhists have feelings. It's called a feeling of emptiness. It's a beautiful feeling. You know, Buddhists they don't like feelings, except for compassion, a love, a kindness, a sympathetic joy, uh, equanimity, uh, and the feeling of the empty nature of all uh, phenomena. That's pretty good. But they're devoid of feelings. Making a joke. I've, I've been accused of that. You, know? you Buddhists have no feelings. No, just uh, trying to uh, wash out the the feelings that hinder. Hmm? But understand. But but wash them. Out. Okay. And then uh, then saying even the remedy is free to subside naturally, let itself liberate. These are the these are the key instructions. Rest in the nature of all the basis of everything. Rest the mind in the natural state and it finally did it. <laughs> so let it rest, let, let the mind rest. These are still with no support. And then contemplate relative bodhicitta. Love and compassion to someone close like one's mother through to those who dislike you and those who you dislike. And then love and compassion also. So this, this is the order by which you do the meditation. For half an hour, one hour, two hours, whatever you wish and however you can. And then you train in taking and sending, ultimately put them on the breath. So this is the meditation where you might start with your mother, your, your, your mother. You, you, if you ask your mother to stand right in front of you, maybe, okay. But uh, normally we, we visualize our mother. Or you can do it if you have your mother still alive, and then you can visualize your mother. Uh, if you're with your mother, then you do it invisibly. They don't know you're doing it, but you're sitting there with them in the same room and you're They don't know that you're breathing on all your suffering and they're breathing out uh, a moonlight into their, into their being and, and taking it on. So you can practice with your mother right in the same room. We just don't tell them, of course. They might like it. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, and then you get good at that. Or you can visualize your mother or you can visualize your father. Whatever you have a very positive, wonderful feeling about Uh, then you move it uh, from people that you love and people that you have very good um, uh, relationship with, 
eventually to the ones that are very, very difficult. You practice this way. So it takes time. I would say for all of you, if you really want to do this well, this may not be your main meditation of your lifetime. It may be for some of you. This is is an incredible meditation. But I would say give it one year. Say, you know, this is what I do. This is the way I practice. This is, I say, uh, for the next three months, the next year, next six months, this will be my, my practice, and I will do this as much as I can all day long. You'll see that right now it looks complicated, but as you do it, it becomes extremely natural. You just do it naturally. Eventually, when you do all these practices and, and, and uh, the generation and completion stage yogas like Chen Rezi and Guru Rinpoche and all these practices, eventually it's just uh, effortless. It's just what you do. You simply ask what you do. You just do it. You don't think about doing it. You just do it. So So you put them... I like that. I love that expression. Put them on the breath. You put your mother on the breath. Uh, You put your brother and your sisters and you put your relatives, all relatives, and you put your friends and, and colleagues and so on. You put them on the breath. You exchange life. Right? You're not you're not killing yourself. You're just uh, simply dissolving whatever is believed to be a hindrance uh, and health and illness and so on uh, into the light, the luminosity uh, of of the nature of emptiness. And then you dedicate the merit. And in post meditation, between sessions, you practice as a magician, which means you see you see everything as a magical show. How does it happen? Karma. It's karma. Beings are going from there to there because they think they're going to go from there to there. How do they have lunch? They go, I will have lunch. How do they get in a car? I'm going to get in a car. How do they get out of a car? I'm going to get out of the car. You think it's, it's not, ma- it's, it's magic. It's amazing. And by the way, that thought was thought almost one second before you ever knew that thought, and, and your depth already determined it, you didn't. So if you think there's a you doing everything, yeah, I got news for you. That's not true. It's not true in Buddhism, and it's not true in neurophysiology and neurocognitive psychology. It's simply not true. We know it's not true. You're not in charge. I'm not in charge. But volition is. And that's habit patterns. Now, we can stop habit patterns... Not ourself, but we can actually stop patterns. Watch. Simple. I'm going to go to the car. I don't even have to say, no, I'm not. I just have to take a pause. I'm going to go to the car. Let the mind be free. Just let it rest. You practice like that. Uh, I'm going to have a drink. Let the mind rest. Nothing happens. I'm going to get up now. Neither going forward nor back. There's just no, it's timeless. It's just like a timeless, effortless... Hmm. No need to do this, no need to do that. Just rest the mind. So, 
So once you know that, you see how magic is done. I will have the cake. No, how about this? You will have some cake. Yes, I will have cake. Isn't that what Marie Antoinette said? She still got lost her head, eh? Didn't she? Isn't that Marie? What Marie Antoinette said? She said, "Let them eat cake." In France, yes, let them eat cake, white bread, and she still lost her head. That's magic. She probably didn't know. Why am I losing my head? They all have white bread to eat now, just like us. She still loses her head. But uh, you don't think that it's not possible to have uh, decisions uh, by your own will? Like you are not subject. It's not everything is uh, habit patterns because if everything is habit patterns, you cannot change anything. So you, there must be a chance. To, this, that you, the, the will and the decision is taken to come out of it. For example. That's right, but but not the way it's normally put. So in other words. It's, it's not all habit patterns. What I said yesterday, I think I said today, it's the intersection, the interdependence of habit patterns with environment and history. Make for a wave, like a wave, a current wave, just like in the ocean. That wave will give rise to what you do. But if you stop and let the wave just fall, that's the point where you can actually change the pattern. So the other thing is, is that I don't, you know, this debate about free will, I don't care. I could, because free will has to do with clinging to self. I don't care. You know, I've, I keep reading. I read all the, lots of journals. And this problem about self is only because people are very worried about self. I don't, couldn't care less if there's a self or no self. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's still illusory. So, so, so whether the depth consciousness determines what you do, or yourself determines what you do, you know, it doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter because there's this idea that if I determine, if I say to myself, I'm going to go to the car, I'm in charge. But why do I have to be in charge? Like, for instance, right, right, right now, do you think I'm thinking about what I'm saying? You can tell by my grammar, I am not thinking about what I'm saying. Is that correct? I don't have to think about what I say. Who's talking? So if I'm really in charge, I should be talking. But you know what? I know I'm not talking. And I don't care. I couldn't care less that I'm not talking. Do you see what I mean? Something's talking. But I don't actually, as an ego, have to be in charge of my words. Because there's actually a much better intelligence that it's already thought it up a second before I even think I'm going to say it. So I may as well purify down to the ground and let it speak. It's much easier. I tell you, it's much easier. Did you see? So this is this. This is what I would call the unity of the ego and the unconscious. You don't have to fight. Just let it stitch itself together. And if we purify the habit patterns and the environmental patterns then naturally we can just let things be. We can speak freely. We don't have to worry about being in control. How do we take control? By uh, awareness and by recollection. Yeah, but that's, isn't that also a, um, a decision 
which is taken by yes. someone. That's correct, but I don't. I don't. Some, uh, self or not self. That, that's right. That's right. But I don't have to worry about who's in charge. This, I think, is a real problem for Western, for for the Western science and Western mind. Is someone has to be in charge? Actually, no one has to be in charge because no one is in charge. But if we purify the ground of our habit patterns right down to the Alaya consciousness, then what comes up is quite pure. Then we don't even have to think self, not self. And then what we do is we go for enlightenment, we go for awakening, and that keeps purifying. So in that sense, I go, no. If I'm in a car, the decisions are made like this. If I'm driving a car, who's making decisions? They're made like that. I'm not making those decisions. I don't have to. That's very nice. Yeah, but it's maybe it's yeah, okay. I'm just saying the I think the argument of who's in charge and free will is a miss is a misargument. I believe that in philosophy is a misargument. It's it's a it's a Western conundrum about and it's also in the East too about free will. I don't think there's anything for people to even be concerned about. I think it's one of those arguments that has no uh, substantive nature at all. Like saying the word unconscious. There is no unconscious. There's awareness. Splitting the two is a split. That's because the more you experience, the less unconscious there is. Say once more, please. The less split Uh and the more awareness, the less there is unconsciousness. But there doesn't have to be anybody either in control or below or above. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't have a strong ego. I think I've been accused a few times of having a strong ego. Yeah. Uh, my teacher, Namjur Rinpoche, and Andre, uh, yeah, yeah, a strong ego. But hopefully, I'm hoping, that it's a, it's a, a healthy um, projection. Do you know what I mean? A healthy persona. Not an unhealthy persona. So uh, some people are scared of strength. And then some people are scared of being in charge and some people are scared of not being in charge. I would say, let's get the whole thing over with. <laughs> really. Let's just get rid of it. And then, you know what? Life is really easy. It's just, just be spontaneously clear. Then you say, oh, no planning. No, no plan. If we want to plan how to get to Vienna, we plan to get to Vienna. Uh, but it doesn't require um, the, um, the ego to make machinations uh, about it because the actual intelligence of the, of the brain is way smarter. Just let it, let it operate. Let it, let, it, let it operate. So, anyways, I put that forward. Don't get me into a, a, a Western or a philosophy course as I was in graduate school. I found that almost impossible to listen to in graduate school. Merrill Ponte, Husserl, you know, such. What are these arguments? They are, there's no need. They're arguments worried about really self um, and objects. So, anyways, I can understand. We better carry on here. This is, these, are good, these are good questions. So it says. Um, practice extensively. That means practice uh, deeply. And as Shantideva said, if I don't completely exchange my happiness for others' sorrow, uh, Buddhahood will not be realized there is no happiness in samsara. 
and then post-meditation. Thirdly, to apply this in post-meditation practice, there are three objects, three poisons, and three seeds of virtue. This is beautiful instruction. Thank you. <laughs> exactly so. <laughs> okay. The three poisons continuously arise in connection with three objects. Okay. So, do you, you all know the three poisons? Greed, hatred, delusion. These three, uh, the Buddha taught, contain all the emotional states. They do not contain love and generosity and wisdom. But greed, hatred, and delusion are called the three poisons. Why? They actually toxify the body. They, they are toxic. When you, when you get embroiled in these uh, poisons, you can actually feel how your body feels ill. It feels ill. Uh, so, but, but normally when we do it a little bit, we don't feel that. But actually now we can measure it chemically. We can measure those secretions in the brain and go, ooh, look at that, cortisol, raging cortisol. We may not feel it, but when you take a measurement, you can actually uh, measure it with um, the hormonal levels and you can measure it uh, with the peptides, with the um, um, inflammatory uh, chemicals in the blood and with uh, other, other means. So. So these uh, three poisons should be realized this is the normal way in which little bit of three poisons to a lot of three poisons, uh, um, most people um, operate. That's where they're coming from. So the three poisons are a beautiful model. Why? Because they incorporate all the hundreds of emotions. You can put them into all of them. So if we say rage, hatred. We can just put them into the categories. It's just an easier model. And also the model was designed for insight meditation, which means it's not a complex model. It's not stupid, it's just not complex. So the Buddha was brilliant that way as he made very, very simple, clear uh, things to meditate on for insight. Not very, very complex tables. So to meditate on a table, we once did this. I think we put a hundred different emotions on a blackboard during a course. We, everybody like took hours. We just put every emotion we could think of, and it filled an entire blackboard of negative emotions. We did all the positives. But to meditate on that for insight is way too complicated. It's way too hard. So just three. You can just go like this. Greed. 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 Anger. You don't have to go... A little bit of sadness, a little bit of unhappiness. You know, it, it, it doesn't have to be so complicated. Just bup, bup, bup. And, and that's only why. It's not that there aren't emotions. It's just that simply for, for practice. It, you just make it really elegant uh, for practice. So that's, that's why. So there are three, uh, there are three uh, uh, poisons. And they arise in connection, I would say interdependence, with three objects. So we have compulsive attachment for objects that are pleasant or useful, aversion arises for objects that are unpleasant or harmful, and stupidity, which is, or dullness, for, or indifference to other objects. So some objects uh, don't do anything for us at all. Cup, rug, and for some people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just, mm-hmm. and others, Whoa, you see? 
So there's an interdependence with the object and the state, not just the state. Have you noticed that? Some people, some objects, they trigger an emotional response. But we have to have the emotion or the pattern, the habit pattern, in the first place to have that trigger. Right? Otherwise, the object just falls away. Just falls away. You could walk around like this. Ah, nothing's hurt, nothing's affecting me at all. You know, the King of France, I think the King of France, he discovered, he learned that he only sees this much at any moment. So when he didn't like someone, he'd go like this. <laughs> You're not there. You're not there. You're not there. I can't see you. Don't talk to me. I can't see you. You're not there. He would go like this. Because he discovered that, that only this much you see. Anyways. I don't know what King of France that was. Maybe it was the King of England, but I think it was King of France. He learned this from somebody and he said, oh, look, now I can go, boop, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. Recognize these poisons as soon as they arise. So our job is to not do a guilt number. (gasps) Not again. But simply just know what they are. If we stare something in the face, it changes. If you see something come up like this, it changes it. If you go like, well, yeah, then you involve yourself in it. But if you actually just remain cool, recollected, then you see it for what it is. Okay, it's anger. Falls away. Anger? Oh, no anger. Anger? No anger. Greed? No greed. Just let it fall. Just let it. But we have to, we have to know what it is. Recognize, that's the word. That's the, that's the mindfulness, sati. Recognize these poisons as soon as they arise. Then, for example, when attachment arises, think, may every bit of every sentient being's attachment be contained in the attachment, this attachment of mind. So take on everybody's attachment. May all sentient beings have the seed of virtue of being free of attachment. May this attachment of mind contain all their disturbing emotions. And until they attain Buddhahood, may they be free of such disturbing emotions. So instead of just letting people have emotions, why don't you take the emotion on as your own and dissolve it, just like you do with uh, the, uh, breath- the breathing, right? Their, their emotion uh, is my emotion, and therefore I will dissolve it for them. I take it on. What a, be- what a beautiful act of love. You're mad? Fine. So am I. I'm mad too. Well, let's just dissolve it. This is beautiful. If you're mad, I'm a human being too, so obviously I'm mad, so why don't we just do this together? And dissolve away. You don't have to tell a person you're doing it, but you just do it. Right? They're taking their anger or whatever in. Yeah. And by doing so, until they attain Buddhahood, may they be free of such disturbing emotions. Aversion and other emotions are, the, are used to practice by working with them in the same way. Thus, the three poisons become three limitless seeds of virtue. So think how powerful this is. Everybody you, everybody you encounter, you have to get fast this, everybody you encounter, you just simply transform whatever that is uh, into a free quality, and you wish them Buddhahood. Wish them Buddhahood. Now, it doesn't happen right away. Someone still might be beating up on you. Well, you might have to leave. But you still wish them. 
doesn't mean you stay there. You know, someone's like, you, or they're holding a gun. You know, it doesn't mean you, oh, yeah, 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 let's do, let's do this meditation together. No, you might leave and then wish them. That would be intelligent. If someone's going to mug you, you, you might want to leave, or you may not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down to the worst... I don't think you have any bad parts of Missouri. No. Okay, I'll go to Marseille. I'll go to the docks of Marseille and I'll practice this. And, and maybe someone will mug me. And I'll get mugged or robbed or hurt. And then I can really practice. No, you don't, you don't do that. But you don't do foolish things. But, but you may go to difficult places. You may go to uh, graveyards. You may go to difficult places uh, where your emotions will be disturbed so you can actually practice this. Then you go to beautiful places. I know people, for instance, I do know people, if they went to the treasury of the Habsburgs, in, have you been there at the museum in, in Vienna? They would be like, ugh, this is disgusting. <laughs> this wealth, uh, you know, the, the most beautiful jewels and the paintings and the crowns, the goblets and the gold, this is disgusting wealth, this is horrible. They, the, that's that for them. That would be like going to a graveyard. That would be like going to a butcher shop. They need to do that. Uh, in the same way, I think maybe somebody told you once uh, your teacher to go shopping uh, at the, the big street in uh, in in, 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 uh, in Zurich. Yes, you go there and shop. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you shop. Go shop. <laughs> right? Other people, ugh, they're so wealthy there. I shouldn't go there. They're 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 dirty or something. No, you go there. And then what do you do next? Go to the docks of Marseille, because you won't find any docks here. Go to the docks of Marseille or something like that, and uh, you, you, you practice there. You see? So this is, this is, that's how you really, really do it. So this builds tremendous virtue and power. You go to where the obstacles are. But first of all, you build strength uh, with safe, safe, safety. Your mother your friends, and so on. But when you get uh, good at this, you actually don't mind going into difficult uh, situations. Hmm? And my uh, beloved root teacher, Namja Rinpoche, one of my root teachers, uh, he was very, very good at sending us uh, into difficult situations and meditating under difficult conditions. Uh, He enjoyed seeing that, and not because he was a sadist, but because it made us stronger. It was really good. Okay, so this is, if you, if, you know, I get asked, how do I build strength? How do I build merit? And the, the safe way is you always are in good situations, but actually the really powerful way is you start in safe, good, healthy places, and then you take yourself to very, very diff- more difficult situations, and you see that you can actually do these practices in difficult situations. This is really the art. And, and um, with difficult people, difficult situations, you try things that are hard, and you go, okay, a little bit was done, a little bit was helped. And this is, this is very important. Okay. Then the next, uh, the next root uh, instruction, use reminders in everything you do. Write things down. Right? Remind yourself. No, this is this is beautiful. Reuse reminders. These are like slogans. You know, slogans. The, remind yourself of what you're doing. And if you don't remember, put it on your refrigerator. 
Where is your refrigerator? Oh, yeah, your refrigerator is hidden. Put it on your, your doors of your cabinets. Put it in your bedroom. Put it on your clock. Put it on your computer. When you open your computer, awareness is free. Open your computer, stop. Open your computer, pause. Open your computer, take and receive. So, so these slogans, these are slogans. These are aphorisms, slogans. Use the slogan. Don't be afraid of using a one-line slogan to keep reminding yourself what is the really beautiful practice. You know, so when we go to a, go shopping, we, we, uh, now we don't write things. We, we take our, our, our iPhone or our, our thing and we have a to-do list, our little notes, and remind yourself. This is the same thing. We keep reminding ourselves what are we really doing. And one line. Take and receive all day. I will take and I will, rec- I will, I will uh, receive and I'll give all day long. Everybody I encounter. Without fail. He's dry. This is how, it, how it's done. All the time, repeat these or other suitable reminders and cultivate these attitudes vigorously. We need a nap. And it's a little app that has all these 59 aphorisms and they pop up in the brain. Send and receive. Oh, where did that come from? Every, every, you can, so you can set it on your app, but it's a chip in your brain. And I'm making a joke, but uh, this is for the lazy, lazy meditators. Um, every, every 10 seconds, send and receive. <laughs> send and receive. <laughs> send and receive. So, or it could be on your, uh, your iPhone and just go off all the time. Send and receive, send and receive, send and receive. Breathe now. Breathe now. <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, you can do that. So is this the first slogan? This is actually the beginning of the... Uh, uh, let's see here. Actually, the first, the first slogans, um, the total of 59, yeah, starts right from the very beginning. Train first and preliminaries. That's, that's actually the first slogan. But you know, they're not really slogans because they're really meditative instructions. So if you look at this, where it says Lojong, we're actually starting now. We are now on number nine. Okay, we're at number nine. Yeah. If you take, take this list, we're at number nine. But the ones preceding this were actually meditation instructions. Now we're really into slogans. Okay, we're into aphorisms, which are, are really short statements of how to live a really good life, how to change your karmic patterns, how to undo the karmic patterns. And you'll see the next one is begin the sequence of sending and taking with yourself. So even before you try with others, there's a recommendation here. Try it yourself. Send and receive with yourself. Breathe in all your suffering into a mass. Put your heart into your guru's heart and see it all go. And breathe out moonlight into your own being. These are, back, these are tantric practices, by the way. These are, we do this with uh, Chen Reizi. You'll, you'll get this uh, uh, tomorrow. But, so you, start, you can start with yourself, which is, if you, you know, if you don't start with your mother, you can start with yourself and just go. Big black mass of suffering 
oh, my problems, my problems, and you give them all to your guru. Here. Here, you take it. All in your heart. See? Here. Have it. Breathe it all in. Breathe it all in. And you see it all dissolve away, and then the moonlight comes out, shines from the, uh, the, the guru in your heart, and you're filled with moonlight. Go, oh, thank you. That's really nice. And then you take it again. Okay, all the mass of suffering, everything I have. Guru, you take this on. You're so enlightened, you can do it. And you fill them up with black tar, and they breathe moonlight out into your body until your whole body is filled with moonlight. So, it's good. So uh, Jean Moncontro says, all the time, repeat these or other suitable reminders and cultivate these attitudes vigorously. So that's number nine. That's, and then he says, from Shantideva, while their evil ripens in me, may all my virtue ripen in them. From the oral advice, the Kadampa tradition, I offer all gain and victory to the Lord's all sentient beings. I take all loss and defeat for myself. And from Geltse Tokme's teachings, he's taking quotes from different um, mind training teachings. While all the suffering and evil of all sentient beings ripens in me, may all my happiness and virtue ripen in them. This is really wonderful for stamping out ego clinging. Thank you. Uh, I will not be harmed. No, that's okay. I will take on all this stuff for other people um, and let them um, have all my virtue. And then the next one, which would be number... Ten, I think. Yes. Yep. Begin the sequence of, of taking with you in order to be able to take on the sufferings of others. Begin the sequence of taking with yourself. Right now, take on mentally all the suffering that will ripen for you in the future. When that has been cleared away, take up all the sufferings of others. What they're saying is actually purify yourself first. Purify first. And then, and then other beings. The transformation of adversity into the path of awakening. Third point concerns carrying the practice into everyday life. And then the root text says, when misfortunes fill the world and its inhabitants, make adversity the path of awakening. So when things go really badly, learn to turn them around. Just turn it around. Find a way. There's always always a way. So, you know, we're never going to solve the climate problem. It's too big. Give up. But, you know, there's people that work every day without failure on turning it around. And I don't know if you know, but uh, today, this morning, I think it was this morning, or, or yes, last night, the uh, president of China and uh, the president of the United States met and made an uh, accord uh, to have the largest uh, uh, CO2 emission cuts in the world. As two, as two of the most powerful economies, they got together and they sat down and made a uh, sign agreement to make the most, the biggest, deepest cuts, I think, of any country in the entire world. And there's people all over the world going, this will never happen, this will never happen. But you know, there's people every day, I've met them, who are working on this project without ever giving up. And it's not easy. It's the hardest thing in the world. There are people that go to peace conferences, that go to uh, treaty meetings, uh, South Sudan, North Sudan, and work every single day trying to get a ceasefire. They just signed a ceasefire. Okay, it might break up tomorrow, but at least they tried. You see? 
There are people that work year after year after year without giving up on the most important things of this world. Malaria, how to defeat malaria. Fantastic. So, so um, it's important uh, not to uh, get defeated and it's important to keep um, changing adversity in our lives and other people's lives. For instance, uh, illness and death uh, can be a diversity. But you know, if it's treated right, uh, adversity and death can be the greatest gift you can give yourself and other beings. I've seen people in hospitals that are going to die, know they're going to die, and they're the most beautific individuals. They're just giving to the nurses, giving to the doctors, the relatives come, and they're just in the most loving state, and they're showing what's possible when all this poison goes. They've got nothing to lose. So it's beautiful. So the art is uh, transforming to the best of your ability the most compassionate uh, outcome. This is a real, a real art. So the point, at this point, concerns carrying practice into everyday life. When misfortune fills the world, its inhabitants make adversity the path of awakening. When your world is full of pain and suffering, there are the fruition of evil. When prosperity and wealth are diminished, diminishing trouble peop, troublesome people create difficulties and so on, you must change the adverse conditions in which you find yourself into the path of awakening. There are three ways to make this transformation. By relying on relative bodhicitta, on ultimate bodhicitta, and on special practices. So if you think that Jamon Control doesn't know what he's talking about because he's a monk living in a monastery... While he was writing this, he was being hunted down by another lama to kill him. And every time he went on a horse and went around the, uh, the, uh, the community, around the, his area, he had to be careful that he wasn't being uh, killed because it was a person who wanted to kill him. He was jealous of Jamon Control, and he didn't like some of the politics that happened in, in uh, Jamon Control's teacher's monastery. Um, mainly they just didn't think he was the real thing. So he was mad. And then he lived through terrible times. There was um, a time when a madman uh, decided to invade uh, the a king the king and queen. Actually, it was the king was gone, the queen of Dirge, which was one of the most powerful kingdoms of Tibet. And during Jamon Control's time, he got accused of... Um, he was house-arrested by the queen for conspiring against the, the house of Dirge. He had nothing to do with it. But these were people that were sowing the seeds of, dis, of discord. And he was caught up in monastic politics and was under house arrest. And his teacher, even his teacher, who was the teacher of the queen, he was the teacher of the queen, had a hard time getting him out of house arrest. He didn't know if he was going to lose the entire monastery and have his, re, have his retreat center burnt down. Then this madman came along and took the kingdom. So he had to actually help the general defeat this madman and kill him. So, you know, when he says turn adverse conditions into the path, he was a very experienced of this. He had a, he had a very hard time. He, was, he wrote more than anybody else did. He meditated more than anybody else did. He taught incredible number of people. He was a master of masters. He went around everywhere, but he had uh, a difficult life. It was a very rough time in eastern Tibet. So he knows what he's talking about. 
So these three ways is you can transform by, by relying on relative bodhicitta, on ultimate bodhicitta, which is just let the mind rest in ultimate nature, and on special practices. So he's going to explain these. Uh, for the first way, draw, drive all blame into one. This is relative bodhicitta. Whether you are physically ill, troubled in your mind, insulted by others, or bothered by enemies and disputes, in short, whatever annoyance, major or minor, comes up in your life or affairs, do not lay the blame on anything else, thinking that such and such caused this or that problem. Rather, you should consider, uh, he says then, this mind grasps at a self where there is no self. From time without beginning until now, it has, and following its own whims in samsara, perpetuated various non-virtuous actions. All the sufferings I now experience are the results of those actions. No one else is to blame. This ego-cherishing attitude is to blame. I shall do whatever I can to subdue it. So you, you transform it. You recognize who's at fault. Uh, you know, other people can be at fault, but the way you take it on is still your own state. So skillfully and vigorously direct all dharma at ego clinging. So the art is to find the ego clinging and get rid of the ego clinging. Why? Because when the ego clinging is there, things are hopeless. Does it make sense? So when you feel that 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 it's an, that they're at fault, they feel being attacked. If you feel you're at fault, sometimes the uh, or you blame yourself. But the where's the blame? Not yourself. Where's the blame? Infinite moments of habit patterns. So once you see that the ego is doing all this holding, you let it dissolve. Then all kinds of possibilities come up. You see? That's what a, a good therapist will do sometimes, yes? Person has a story, you cut through the story. Person has another story, you cut through it. Another, another story, and you keep cutting through until they go, you mean I could? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could be a different way. So, so uh, this, is, this is the, you see the solidity of the ego clinging and let it dissolve. So, the word subdued in English means subdue. Go and take care of it. And the root of it is the ego clinging. Subdue? Auflösen. Unterwerfen. That doesn't mean suppress. You know, suppress, like hold it down. It means take care of it. And you have to find out what the root is. The root is the ego clinging. When the ego clinging busts up, everything feels possible. You know when you're in a state, whoever's been in a state of love? Love? You know when you fall in love? Have you ever felt that everything's possible? That feeling of euphoria, everything's possible, and everything, you have tons of energy, you can do anything you want, right? Well, that's what happens. When the uh, ego clinging gets strong, the heart uh, clenches like this, and you're not feeling love. When you feel love, feel spaciousness and love and everything, everything just feels possible. It's like... Wow, we can do this, we can do this, and we can accomplish this. So it's very, very important. Skillfully and vigorously direct all dharma at ego clinging. As as Shantideva writes in Entering the Way of Awakening, quote, what troubles there are in the world, how much fear and suffering there is, 
If all of these arise from ego clinging, what will this great demon do to me? You have to see what the demon is. What's the demon? Ego clinging. The belief that there's a real ego. That's the problem. Is there an ego? It's not like there isn't an ego, but if you keep searching, you're probably not going to find anything called an ego. But you will find names and concepts, and depending on which culture you live in and how you're trained. And for hundreds of lives in samsara, he has caused me trouble. Now I recollect all my grudges and shall destroy you, destroy you, you selfish mind. I'm not so keen on that. Now I shall... De- you don't destroy your mind. Now I shall destroy the clinging to that which is... Uh, illusory. So. Is that pretty clear so far? Well, we find out what we can say in our own words. I would use these words first. No, it's good. Use these words first, and then as you develop this, the, the confidence, uh, then... Uh, as you develop it, you, start, you may come up actually with your own words and say, you know, I shall do this or something you, you, with great force. This happens actually. In retreat sometimes you come up with most incredible statements. You know, you study this, you practice it, and all of a sudden, or a statement comes out which is just like a strong statement of will or whatever it is. Beautiful. beautiful. So that's why we start with, start with somebody, start with the tradition for a thousand years or over a thousand years, and then we maybe find our own voice, our own strength, our own voice. It's good. Like, you know, you don't go around on the street, right, going, drive all blame into one. Now, you might hear teaching, but, but eventually you want to find your own voice. When someone's talking to you, you're working, you say, here's, here's some of that comes from your heart, your own, your own words. Okay, be grateful to everyone. Be grateful to everyone. Even people that harm you are, can be your best teachers. Work on taking and sending with these considerations in mind. In general, as Jaman Kontrol says, in general, all methods for attaining Buddhahood rely on sentient beings. Therefore, to the individual who wishes to awaken, sentient beings are as worthy of gratitude as Buddhas. Specifically, all sentient beings are worthy of gratitude since there's not one who has not been my parent. Actually, we're all interconnected. Connected. All beings, even if they're really nasty beings, have some beautiful, uh, good qualities. And at some point, they were good. So, in particular, all those who hurt me are worthy of gratitude since they are my companions and helpers for gathering the accumulations of merit and pristine wisdom and for clearing away the obscurations of disturbing emotion and conceptual knowledge. So, this uh, teaching is seeing how even the most adverse sentient beings, the dog that bit you, actually taught you something. The, uh, The tick that gave you Lyme's disease is not a bad tick, but you can learn something. You can actually grow. Tick wasn't bad. The bacteria that was in the tick wasn't bad. That's what they do. They're they're trying to live. Uh, So they're neither bad nor good. 
so how do you take the situation and be grateful for it? What did you learn? Well, you may have gotten sick, but you also found a way to come out of sickness. And many good, maybe many good positive qualities arose when you were ill. Or maybe you worked with someone in an office or at school. Uh, or, you know, and it was very, very difficult. Extremely difficult. But it allows you now to relate to other people in a very good way. So you go, I'm grateful to that person, even though they don't know what they were doing, for being the worst possible person to me in my life. Why? Because you actually grew from it. This is, this is really a lovely thing. And, and gratitude is one of the fastest ways of putting uh, depression, anxiety, fear, and worry into perspective. Because when you see all the positive... little pussycat. When you see all the positive things that support you in life, including all the nasty possibilities... is a very transformative experience. You see how much is supporting you. So, so don't take um, difficult situations as being a problem. Take it actually as a lot of gratitude. But it's, 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 if you're weak and you can't use these situations, then you'll, of course you won't feel gratitude. You'll feel like you've been punished. Hmm? I know occasionally students that say to me as a teacher, could you be stronger with me? Could you be tougher with me? Right? Yeah. Sometimes I'm very sweet and nice. I say, please, please, be stronger. You see? And actually, it's right. Be stronger. Why? Because, um, not always, but uh, sometimes uh, we need to be in adverse, in adverse situations to get the message. Does this make sense? We need to be in a difficult situation to get the message to come home. Sometimes peacefulness just doesn't do it for us. Like, you know, somebody goes, you're okay. Just, just change that. It's peaceful. And you say it again. And you say it again. But you know, sometimes like a parent, when you really use force, they go, you mean it. Yes. And they get it. So, sometimes. So even if you're strong, don't be angry. Not even at a dog or an insect. They're all sentient beings. Strive to give whatever actual help you can. And if you cannot help, then think and say, May the sentient being or troublemaker quickly be rid of pain and, and enjoy happiness. May he come to attain Buddhahood. So in the case of Jamon Kontrol, this madman, this, this warlord, what did he do? He prayed, he practiced Tonglen, and he helped the general get rid of him. Because he was killing people. He was a madman. What would you think about that? Eh? Here's a Buddhist monk, the general says, help me, I need to, or actually they were going to be killed. So it was, either be, it was either kill or be killed. So the general said to him, I need your help, I want to know where, you know, they didn't have GPS, they didn't have satellites. <laughs> it's true. So he said in the 18, was it 1860, 1870 something, uh, I need your help to defeat his army. Where is he located over those hills? So Jaman conscious, oh boy, I better get this right. 
Hashem uncontrolled like meditation. He says, they're over there. So he sends the general, all the troops, over there. He tells in his biography, he said, he said, oh my God, I better get this right. Because if I don't get this right, this is bad news. And the general, that's exactly where they were. And um, the general came back and said, wow, you are good. <laughs> you are a good meditator. You are a good yogi. And he gave him everything he wanted. He freed him up and all these kinds of things. So, so uh, um, he turned a great adversity into an advantage, but he wasn't stupid. This uh, being had to go. He didn't kill. He didn't kill the madman. The general killed the madman. But uh, he was certainly involved in the ending of a very, very um, difficult, uh, painful, murderous uh, um, state for many, many people. But he still prayed for the being. Arouse, Bodhicitta, from now on all the virtuous acts I do shall be for his welfare. His or her welfare. When a god or demon troubles you, think this trouble now occurs because I, from time without beginning, have made trouble for him. Now I shall give him my flesh and blood in recompense. In other words, in other words anything that's harming you has some connection to you. It doesn't just happen by accident. There's a few things. But actually, uh, for instance, if you, I'm not blaming anybody, if you, if you walk in the forests of, um, of um, eastern Canada or eastern United States, in the southern areas of eastern Canada and northern United States, and you walk in the forests, uh, and you don't uh, protect yourself, and you don't check your body for uh, ticks, then uh, you are uh, ignoring the possibility of getting Lyme's disease. Does it make sense? Uh, the Lyme's disease didn't attack you. It's because um, you didn't ignore the possibility of that. Will it happen by chance? Yes, walking through. But actually, we can take some measure to protect ourselves. Some measure to protect ourselves. And so on. Or something like this. Because I had let mindfulness and other remedies lapse, disturbing emotions arose without my noticing them. Since this troublemaker has now warned me of this, he is certainly an expression of my guru, Buddha. Now, let's make sure this gets confused. Uh, the troublemaker or the person that causes you difficulty is not your guru. That's a different kind of thing. But it says is an expression of the guru. Does it make sense? An expression of the guru. Don't, don't make the mistakes. There's people doing that all the time. You know, everybody's my guru now. You hear these things. Oh, everybody's my teacher. Everybody, every, everybody is the same as my guru. They all teach me things. This is very sloppy mind. But what this is saying is that uh, every adverse situation, every good uh, uh, situation, is actually an expression of Buddha nature. So there's every single thing in life you can learn from and you can grow from. This you should feel. Every single thing you can grow. So you should be grateful to those that cause you difficulties or things that cause you good because they, he or she has stimulated me into train in bodhicitta. So there's nothing in the day, no matter what happens, which isn't a good opportunity for the enlightenment mind. This is a beautiful teaching. This is a high teaching. So when people say to me, no, I don't have time to meditate, I go, what are you, are you kidding? There's never a moment in the day that is an opportunity to meditate. Whether it's the email, whether it's the phone call, whether it's the drive in a car, whether you're tired and you're like, 
wiped out, everything is an opportunity to raise the mind of awakeness and compassion. Always. Always. Fantastic. If you're in retreat, you know, some of you have been, you, just, you were just in retreat. Was it perfect for you, the conditions? No. no. <laughs> and you picked those conditions, didn't you? Yes. yes. Did you learn from those conditions? Yeah. Yes. Was that part of your retreat? Yes. yes. Is it? But you could walk away. Some people say, oh, that retreat wasn't so good because the situation in my cabin wasn't so good. But you made good use of it, you see? So I've had retreats where the most difficult circumstances arose, always being interfered, always interference. Helicopters flying right 30 feet above the cabin in the middle of nowhere. A, a spraying, an agricultural spray right through the windows. I'm not kidding you. Uh, noises and all kinds of things. But you say, oh, but you have to transform it and see these, these can make you the strongest possible uh, practitioner if you, if you rise above it, if you, if you use it. So. So to sum up, whoever thinks and acts out of a concern to achieve this, uh, to to achieve his or her own well-being is a worldly person. Whoever thinks and acts out of concern to achieve the well-being of others is a Dharma person. As Langri Atangpa said, I open to to you as deep a teaching as there is. Pay attention. All faults are our own. All good qualities are the Lord's sentient beings. The point here is give gain and victory to others take loss and defeat for ourselves. Other than this, there is nothing to understand. Profound practice. In other words, give it away. Give every good positive quality away to other people. Let them gain your merit. Okay? Let them gain your merit. It's beautiful. So that's what I'd like you to practice from now until we see each other shortly. It is every, try every, as a meditation, don't think this is not meditation, every single thing is teaching you something. And it's not teaching you just a fact, it's teaching you bodhicitta, how to actually grow. And I want you to try this, okay? Everything. Just see, just everything you do from now until supper, try to turn into an act of generosity, an act of sending and, and, and uh, receiving, but also um, an act of bodhicitta, an act of making something more awake. You look at a flower, what can you do with the flower? A person says hello, what can you do with that? I think we'll, we'll, we'll finish there. Every, everything is an opportunity. An opportunity. Idante punikamang asoaki wang ho tu idante punikamang asoaki wang ho tu idante punikamang asoaki wang ho tu May all beings be unhappy, may all beings be established in a continuum of freedom, the perfect unity of wisdom and compassion as a gift to all uh, beings. Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam. Good. <laughs>